this is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am Josh, and over there is Ben. We are men. We are no longer lovely. We have found ourselves. We are strong. We are independent. And we Stakes, love fantasy football. Beer, fantasy football. Amen. <laughs> it's the Holy God Trifecta. Bless America. The Holy Trinity. It is. <laughs> Today we've got a really exciting episode. We're doing some debating. We're going we're gonna to put our boxing gloves on and we're going to duke it out here, wherever you're listening to us. Um, we've got... This is not s- fantasy football. Like, I'm going to beat the ever-loving crap out of Josh. <laughs> this is where we're finally posting on YouTube. <laughs> assault. No, it's not assault. This is a murder. You will not win. <laughs> We've got some players that we've pulled that we have differences of opinion on, where we've combed through our rankings and pulled players that are vastly different in our rankings, and we're going to argue, and you will know at the end of this episode why I am right and Ben is wrong. Now you see why I'm going to beat up Josh. (laughs) But first, we've got a couple pieces of news from the NFL Uh, in Enormous, amazing, like earth-shattering news. Debo Samuel has re-followed the 49ers on Instagram. No. Which means there's no trade. Right. No trade. I mean, it's, I think the 49ers had a offer out to him to begin with, but he didn't like it. So, But for whatever reason, they said they're not going to move him. So I think he's just come to terms with that he's going to accept whatever offer they give him. I guess that, or they've upped the offer, or they just smooth things over in the building and said, hey, Debo. That's possible, too. You're not worth $80 billion. <laughs> well, I saw a, uh, like a reporter article come across earlier today that was saying the 49ers are extremely underwhelmed by Trey Lance. Yeah. So maybe that means they're going to keep Jimmy around. Maybe so. And Debo likes Jimmy, so. Debo does love him some Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G-String. <laughs> the other bit I think of news. my favorite was porn star Jimmy. <laughs> the uh, name uh, Stephen A. Smith gave him. I remember that. I, like, That's when hilarious. That, happened, that was the most ridiculous, like, I can't believe an NFL quarterback is doing this to his public image kind of thing. That is hilarious. But... but but like it was it, it was forgotten so fast. Like nobody cared about ten minutes after it happened. I mean, to be fair, we don't care about most of the stuff these dudes do in their personal life. Like don't beat a woman and stop doing drugs and pretty much do whatever you want. <laughs> pretty much. Um the other piece of news is incredibly depressing for myself. For you. Yeah, not for you, because that that let's be honest. That feels like the tone of this entire offseason is Josh is depressed and Ben is dodging all these bullets. I have I have gotten lucky. I don't own any shares of Antonio Gibson. And 
for whatever reason, I've I've gotten lucky in my 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 dudes have been safe from the plague of either being replaced or adding competition. Well, funny you mentioned Gibson because it looks like he is That's not going saying. to be a workhorse. Uh, Don't have any Ron- Antonio Gibson shares. Don't want yeah. any after this. Ron Rivera said that he wants to use him and third round pick. Uh, from Alabama, Brian Robinson, as a one-two punch similar to what he did in Carolina with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. And Gibson truthers rejoiced. (laughs) I don't think we should really be that surprised by this because this is what Rivera always does anyway, is he doesn't use one singular workhorse back um, except for Christian McCaffrey. In 2019, yeah. and then you saw what happened after that. He killed him. <laughs> he died. <laughs> and Gibson... See, here's the thing with Gibson, okay? Um, he is an elite talent, I believe. Brian Robinson oh, for is sure. an okay talent. Like, he's... I don't know. He's fine. He's like Devin Singletary. He's like nothing to be excited about, he, but he's not the worst either. He's just okay. I mean, obviously, he's not, you know, you don't love the talent or whatever, but he's not terrible. He's a big dude. He's a bruising back, and they they spent a day two pick on him. Yeah. So why, I don't know why they reached for him that high. I think he would have been there in the fourth round, no problem. But, I mean, it's just, Antonio Gibson is never going to be what people want him to be. Which is that, you know, third dorm, third elite talent with a lot of use in the receiving game. They brought back J.D. McKissick, which is bad news for his receiving work. And they just brought in Brian Robinson, who's a goal line monster. So it's not that Antonio Gibson is going to be bad or that he's a bad dynasty asset or anything like that. He's just never going to be what you want him to be. I am sorry. So, okay. I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to fight for all the Gibson owners out there. Last year, I remember there was a story that came out that Austin Eckler was not going to be the goal line back for the Chargers. And it turns out that he absolutely was the goal line back for the Chargers. And he like quadrupled his touchdown total uh, from previous years. Is this just coach speak in the offseason? And like, is it possible that it's just all garbage that like you shouldn't really pay attention to it? A little bit. I think a little bit of it is just coach speech is like, yeah, I want this monster one, two punch. But at the same time, like I said, they spent a day two pick on him. So they're not just going to not use him kind of thing. I think it's not that he is the goal line back and Gibson kind of does the rest of the stuff with McKissick. Gibson will see the majority of the goal line touches as well, but it's just not going to be the volume that people want it to be. Yeah. I, he doesn't, he no longer, he does, not that he had it with McKissick there, but he just doesn't have that top five ceiling that you're going to want him to have. He's got the top five talent, just, yeah, he's never going to see the work for top five production. I am, listen, at the, at the point in the offseason when McKissick was going to Buffalo, when he accepted that contract for about three hours, I really thought we're going to get to see it. Gibson's going to be a top five dynasty running back. And I think 
you know, he's been an RB1 two years in a row. I think you temper that down to, okay, he's like the RB14, where he's good. He gives you 12 to 15 points a week, but he's not amazing. He doesn't have that elite 30-point ceiling. Um, you know, maybe if he scores a couple of touchdowns in a week, he can pop for you. But, like, he's probably still a good RB2, I'm guessing. Um, it just seems yeah, like I'm with Rivera... Yeah, I'm not upset if he's my RB2. No, I mean, I think he's he's perfectly fine. And if he's your RB3, like, you're you're probably going to win your league. Yeah, if he's honestly. your flex, you're you're in good shape. Yeah. We're going to hop into some differences of opinion. Um, we're going to do a few so receivers have have first. Cordially. Yeah, it, it will not be cordial. Uh, number no. one, this is an eight-spot difference of opinion between Ben and myself. Ben, you're a lot higher on him. So explain to me why Michael Pittman Jr. is your wide receiver 14 for 2022. Because... He just got a major upgrade at quarterback, Carson Wentz. We have not been kind to him on this show, and for uh, good reason. Fair, He's not, for good, for completely fair and honest, good <laughs> reasons. Yeah, there's Carson. I'm sorry. I like you as a person, but you are not a good NFL quarterback. No. But he just got Matt Ryan, who. I know there's a little bit of Falcon bias because he's been my boy for a long time. And I hate to see him go, but I'm happy to see him go in this situation. But Matt Ryan, he's 36. He still has good football left in him. He's always heavily targeted his wide receiver one. And they didn't really add a ton in the draft. They took a receiver in the second round. What's the, gosh, what's the guy's name? Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce, that's it. So I think that's... I mean, good for Alex Pierce is good for Matt Ryan, but I think it's also good for Pittman because they get a downfield threat that will really open things up for Pittman, but he doesn't really challenge Pittman's target share that much. Right. Pittman is going to see a massive, massive target share with an upgrade at quarterback with probably a lot of loaded boxes to stop Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, I the sky's the limit for Michael Pittman this year. Yeah, so I do think I've got him at wide receiver 22, which is still I've got him a at wide receiver. You've got him at 14. It's still a wide receiver two for me, but my here, here's my thing with Pittman. Pittman is the kind of receiver that I think, if I'm honest, I believe in my heart of hearts he's more of a possession receiver than anything else. Like he, he's not a yak yak guy that just like catches a ball and can blow a play up let's put it this way his career yards per catch is like 12.4 yards which is fine um but it's not amazing while i i've got him with a elite target share i've got him slated down for like 140 targets 135 targets that just doesn't translate into you know 1400 yards where i can consider him as a potential wide receiver one, and I'm not 100% sure that he scores enough to kind of overcompensate for the fact that he's not a, you know, he's not a big play receiver. He's a 1,000% great outside number one wide receiver, but he's more of a possession archetype receiver. He's more of a jump ball guy. Um, and I think Jonathan Taylor, like they're going to let him Julio run Jones, the rock again. Yes, you would say. Yeah, where, 
you know, Julio for all those years in the league, he was getting 1500 yards, but he's only getting five touchdowns. And I think in a similar vein, Michael Pittman will skill, still only score six, seven touchdowns, but I just don't see him with that 1500 yard upside. Um, I think that Matt Ryan will spread the ball around a little bit more than that. And I do think that Frank Reich wants to run the ball first more than he wants to just toss the ball around the field. Matt Ryan supplied all his work to receivers where they had like a top five passing offense in the NFL. And that's been kind of the story for most of Matt Ryan's career. I do not think that the Colts will have a top five passing offense. And therefore, I don't think that Michael Pittman is an elite fantasy option i don't think they need to i mean they They don't don't. need to for him to have how many how many targets did you say you you see him getting i've put him down in my projections for 136 targets he got 129 last year and he finishes the wide receiver 17 yeah and he just got an upgrade at quarterback here's what i've got a little actual target competition I've got him at 136 for 87 catches, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think he gets way more than that. I just can't really see it. So I think he'll be really good. I think he's a fine wide receiver too. And if he's your flex, like you're really, I mean, you're set. Like he's safe. I'm not saying that he's not potentially awesome. But I just can't quite see the possibility for him to be a wide receiver one. And I think you are a little bit rosier on him than I am, obviously. You've got him you've got him finishing five spots lower than he did last year with more targets and a better quarterback. I've got him finishing three spots higher than he did last year with more targets and a better quarterback. To be fair, the fantasy wide receiver landscape has changed a bunch since last year. So I don't think that his think wide that receiver play into 17, his hands. I, I feel like it's leveled a bit. Like the elite guys, like it's it's not the, you've got three guys that are complete studs and then it's, you know, the guys after them aren't as good. Like it has, the top 10 are all potentially amazing. And the wide receiver twos, like there's wide receiver twos this year that were wide receiver ones last year. Or guys have jumped up into the wide receiver two range that weren't there last year. And I feel like there's going to be a lot more parity this year than there was in years past. We'll see. We'll see. Number two, I am higher on this guy than you are. I've got him at my wide receiver 17. You have him at wide receiver 26. And we've talked about it before on the podcast. We, we have harped on this probably more than any other player. Yeah. But I and I think I'm too low. Let let's start with that. I think, think I'm you're too low too, on him. Hang what in the world, Josh? If you are too low on this guy where he's at, and I'm too high on Michael Pittman where I'm at. I think Cortland Sutton is a potential league winning wide receiver one in fantasy football this year. I'm like you all in on the Sutton. Outside train. of your mind. Listen, Cortland Sutton has the best quarterback he's ever had in his life. By like leaps, so does Michael Pittman yards and bounds. Listen, the difference between Drew Lock and, and Russell Michael Wilson, Pittman doesn't have Jerry Judy to deal with. He does not. But the difference between Drew Lock and Russell Wilson is 
8,000 country miles compared to the difference between Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Drew Locke is a backup. He's, he's not a starting quarterback, and Russell Wilson is a future Hall of Famer. So I think the passing pie in Denver is going to expand considerably. I do have Jerry Judy finishing really well. Like, this is not a uh, Jerry Judy sucks take. Like, I am still in on Jerry Judy. I've actually got him ahead of Sutton. I've got him at 16. Okay, okay. I was about to say, for the the record, I've got Judy probably well ahead. You've got him lower. You've got both Judy and Sutton lower than I do. You've got Judy at 24. I've got Judy at 16. You've got Sutton at 26, and I've got Sutton at 17. So I'm more in on Denver's offense than you are. But I'm higher on Jerry Judy than Cortland Sutton. Yes, and I am too, by one spot. Um, and I think that that is me hedging because I be- I fully believe, whether I'm right or wrong on Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver one, either Judy or Sutton will be a wide receiver one in 2022. You can take that one to the bank. I just don't know which one it is. I'm betting on Sutton because he's a bigger play receiver. He is a true number one outside wide receiver, whereas Judy profiles more as a middle-of-the-field slot guy, and I just will take my shot on the alpha guy that potentially gives me bigger play upside that can affect the game more with less touches than Judy. That's not to say that this is an ironclad take it to the bank, but I do think that Cortland Sutton is going to win people some leagues in 2022. I think he's a wide receiver too, but I I can't I can't put him this high, man. You don't think he's a wide receiver too. You've got him at 26. What quantifies a wide receiver too? Cuz I think a lot of these wide receivers do pretty well just because the league's <laughs> going to be passing so much. Yeah. I mean, technically a wide receiver too is between 13 and uh 25. So you've got him technically right outside wide wide receiver two range. I'm just looking at who I had above him because I didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Am I, am I like, okay. Will you admit that either Sutton or Judy has wide receiver one upside? Yes. Not overall, but like top 12 receiver upside. I think they do, but I think it's Judy. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. Because I, I, this is not that I hate Cortland Sutton. Because I think it sounds like I hate Cortland Sutton. I do like him. But I think I'm more in on Jerry Judy. If I had to pick one being, the wide, being a wide receiver one, I think it's going to be Judy. Because he out-targets, he's always out-targeted Cortland Sutton when they've both been on the field. I, I just think Judy is an outstanding talent, outstanding route runner. I think Russ is going to like him a ton. Um, and I think uh, Cortland Sutton will be a very good wide receiver this year. It's just, I don't know. I can't, I can't put him that high. I'm uh, I'm calling my shot early. I'm willing to be wrong, but I think he's the guy that could be the best value in fantasy this year. People are getting him, and maybe this is just super flex, so take that with a grain of salt, but still, people are getting him in like the 12th round in super flex startups. 
Now, and that he is could a steal. Be, I will give you that. That's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that people are drafting him probably at his floor, I'm guessing. Like, the 12th round is, I don't know, what is that, like wide receiver 40? Have we clarified that these are our 2022 rankings, not our dynasty rankings? Yes. Okay. I was about to say, we will, we will get to our dynasty rankings and probably debate why each of us are wrong on those two. Yeah. Next guy on here, we have a 12-spot disagreement. This one, um, this one baffles me, too. <laughs> I have him as a wide receiver, too. You have him as a mid-wide receiver, kidding three. Me. I've got Rashad Bateman at wide receiver, 20. At you have him 20? at 32. 20? Right. You have him ahead of Michael Pittman. You are I kidding do. me. Here's the thing. The Here's the passing, thing. There's no thing. <laughs> the passing pie in Baltimore is a two-man pie. So, like, there's only two guys that Lamar Jackson targets. Granted, it's not a high-volume passing offense. This is not a they-pass-the-ball-a-ton take. That would be stupid. But they pass the ball to two guys. And it's Marquise like Brown... One and a half because of the pie and all of them go to Mark Andrews. So, okay. A team, the the Ravens, they're going to throw the ball around 430 to 460 times. My bet is a solid 270 to 300 of those, 460-ish, go to two players. That's basically what this bet is. That is a, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, but they're going to throw it to two guys and two guys only. Yeah, they but they're don't also have, Lamar Jackson targets. They're Lamar Jackson targets, but Lamar Jackson had Marquise Brown as a wide receiver nine last year before Lamar got hurt. That's fair. Let me read out these, uh, these point totals that Marquise Brown had. Obviously, he's a different wide receiver than Bateman, but I legitimately think yeah, Bateman Marquise is a Brown better... Marquise Brown had a whole lot more long touchdowns. Yes. I think Bateman is a better receiver than Marquise Brown. I'm going to lay that out there right now. Marquise Brown last year, here's his point totals before Lamar's injury. 16, 20, 6, 17, 29, 5, 16 and a half. That's, that's going to get it done. Now, obviously, Mark Andrews is going to be really good. He's going to hog targets. He's going to probably get like 140 targets at the tight end spot. Um, but I do think that Mark uh, that Rashad Bateman has enough room in there to carve out 120, 130 targets in that offense. And I think he is good enough that his 130, 120-ish targets will come with scoring opportunities and he's going to smash for fantasy. I just, I haven't seen it yet from Rashad Bateman. I haven't seen it from Lamar Jackson, and I want to see it before I'm willing to put in that high. The thing with I Bateman... Know, I trust Mark Andrews completely. I have no question there. He has great chemistry with Lamar. That's going to be fine. Still haven't seen it from Bateman. I'm not willing to go there yet. 
Plusing. All their running backs are going to be back healthy. They get Dobbins yep. back. They get Edwards back. So the running game is going to be improved. So that means possibly even less passing volume, less passing touchdowns. Bateman last year was very good on limited touches with a backup quarterback. He only scored one touchdown last year. Um, but he had games of 13.8 and half PPR, 13.8 points, where he had seven for 103 against Cleveland. He had uh, seven for 58 against the Rams. He had six for 80 against the Dolphins. I do think, and there's a game against Cincinnati when he went three for 80. I do think Bateman is a special, like, very talented NFL wide receiver. And I think that he's going, obviously he's going to be the number two target in the offense, but I, it's almost more of a, nobody else is going to steal work from him other than Andrews. Like who's the other wide receiver in that offense? Devin Duvernay, who's done positively negative, nothing. You mean to NFL. tell me the Duve isn't going to pop off? I'm telling you right now, the Duve is not going to pop off. I think it is literally a, there's nobody else there. Rashad Bateman's talented. He's going to produce. And it's basically two plus two equals four. And that's, that's, that's pretty much how I, how I see it right now. And I do think he's going to be a wide receiver too. I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one. I'm not going to go like the, you know, Marquise Brown, like he's going to win you everything kind of thing. I'm saying a mid to late wide receiver two, pretty safe, gets a bunch of targets, scores a few touchdowns. I think I think I'm still just fuming that you have Rashad Bateman over Michael Pittman. I think that is egregious. I do not. <laughs> we are going to like we are going to lose lose listeners because of that. That is unacceptable. I mean they are virtually identical. You telling you telling me that Lamar Jackson's number 2 target is better than Matt Ryan's number one. Yep. That is wrong. <laughs> I've got them five points different in my uh, in my rankings. Basically, I they're think, both. I at, think Mike. I think I think Pittman is considerably better than Rashad Bateman. I do not. I here. think maybe I think, not talent wise, but production wise, he's going to be better. I think Rashad Bateman is a more talented wide receiver. Um, I genuinely, I think he's good. Like, I genuinely think he is an actually good player. I, I may need another podcast with a different host at this point. <laughs> like, next this guy, is, this is bad. Uh, next guy. We both hate him. Um, but I hate him worse than you do. Oh, I want to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to Ross St. Brown. It's not even his fault. Uh, no, it's not. He's, he's a fine player, but, um. Yeah, I can't buy it. Uh, I've, I'll be, I'm fading this dude so hard. I've got him at wide receiver sixty. You've got him at wide receiver forty three. So you don't like him, but I hate him. No, 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 no. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown. I feel like where we have him between sixty and forty three, that's not as big a difference as it looks. Like that's receivers to where, if you're starting these guys, you're just looking for something. Yeah. You're in trouble, you're scrambling, 
trying to find someone to play that won't just bury you. Yep. And I think, gosh, I know he wasn't. See, my my huge argument against uh, Monroe St. Brown was like last year, all of all of his production, all of it came when Hawkinson and Swift were out. I think he carved out, he showed how good he is, so he probably carved out a little bit bigger role than he had last year when they were healthy. But yeah. it's not going to be massive. However, he is a slot receiver, which usually means they get more, I guess, catches than the outside guys do. Jamison Williams, probably going to miss some time yep. because he's coming off that ACL injury. So... You know, I'll, I'll I'll throw him a bone at forty three, but like I'm not gonna fight for him. So like, no, he is definitely the wide receiver forty three. Trust me, you don't want another guy behind him ahead of him, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. The th- so okay, I think I I think Hawkinson is the target leader in that offense, and I don't think the offense is going to be great off the rip. And there's target competition okay. up and down. It's it's like it's okay, but they it have is a very not, okay offense. It's a very meh offense, like a super eh, okay kind of offense. It's I right. think DeAndre Swift is a big part of this too because I think he's basically boy. a wide receiver too in a running back. Like he's going to steal DeAndre short Swift. short area targets, and they bought they got their deep threat. They have actually two of them. Because they brought in DJ Chark as well. Yeah, I didn't mention Chark. And I don't think he's going to be great, but he's he eats out of that pie as well. And Jamison Williams. They spent a top 15 uh, first-round pick on Jamison Williams. Traded up to get him. Traded up for him. Took him at 12. All of this is bad for Amonra St. Brown. Let's put it this way. He did all of his work last year when he was the only target. Like, he was the only literally one. the only show in town. It was him and like, what, Khalif Raymond? I mean, that dude, I don't even think he's on the roster anymore. Quintez Cephas? I don't know. He's bad. like the fifth wide receiver on a meh team. It was really, really bad. Amon Ross St. Brown is a good, not great receiver that benefited from an amazing situation. And he really was not that good prior to Hawkinson and Swift being hurt. Hawkinson and Swift are back, and they added two receivers, one of them which they spent a premium pick to acquire. I do think Amon Ross St. Brown gets some targets, but he's not the kind of guy that can impact a game with just three touches. You notice last year all he, of his production was like a, 11 targets. Yeah, He earned a role in the offense for sure because he was very good when all the other guys were hurt. Like he wasn't, you know, just volume. He was efficient with it. The dude was scoring. Yeah. So he's a good player, but there's just so many other mouths to feed that are better than him, and they've they paid up to get him. So I mean, we were we were saying sell Amara and St. Brown before the draft. Sell, 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 and then the draft came around, and it and just, just got worse. Just killed him some more. I mean, it's honestly at this point, I think Amara and St. Brown is a hold. Because nobody's going to give you anything for him. Nope. And the people that do, you just sell him. Like, there's probably still a Monroe St. Brown stands that you will sell him to, but I don't think that there's that many of them anymore. 
Let's also mention or, this. They could potentially acquire a quarterback next year in the draft if they stink. I really don't think they will. Like I think they'll be okay to the point that they can't get a quarterback early in the draft next year. But if they take a quarterback, that could potentially change some of this narrative because a lot of this is target competition plus Jared Goff is the quarterback. And if, if I think if, there's a good if it were pared down, I'd be okay with him. But there's too many guys. There's four guys in this offense that will demand work. And Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is the fourth in that totem pole. I do think he gets more targets than Swift, but a running back getting 100 targets is like, it's been McCaffrey, and that's it. So I, I do think that St. Brown just won't get the necessary work to be effective for fantasy. No. And I think uh, we talked about this uh, was yesterday or today, but we think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks going in round one next year because it's supposed to be a, a lot better quarterback draft. So, I mean, he's got a shot to get an upgrade, even if they don't have a top three pick. There's still going to be good quarterbacks in next year's draft, so he could still get an upgrade. He definitely could. Next guy here is Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's been polarizing for years Neither one of us are super bullish on him, but I'm a little bit higher on him than you are. We're nine spots different. I've got him at wide receiver 35 in that mid-wide receiver three range. You've got him at wide receiver 44. So you're not very excited for the potential of Juju Smith-Schuster. Why I, Why do you have him I in that I, 40 range? I think I might have him a little bit too low, honestly. I could, I could be argued to have him higher... Simply because Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. Yeah. But I think, obviously, Travis Kelsey, but no Tyreek Hill, going to dominate targets in that offense. Yep. Just dominate him. Yep. Uh, they drafted Sky Moore. Um, and I think Sky Moore immediately you know, takes over. Um, doesn't take over for Tyreek Hill, but he takes more targets than Juju will get. Juju kind of feels like he's falling in that St. Brown level to where he's going to be a slot guy. He's going to... I think I should have um, him above St. Brown if I'm looking at my stuff, but he's a slot guy. He's going to get targets, and they're going to be from Patrick Mahomes, so he should be higher, but he's probably the fourth, yeah. fourth option in that offense. I've currently got him as the number two option in terms of like total volume in that offense, but I don't, I'm not saying that like him being the number two option in Kansas City is a great thing either. The thing with Juju was I had him initially before the draft, I had him at like wide receiver 19 or something where I thought that he was just going to get really great volume and I thought he was also going to get red zone opportunities as well. And since they took Sky Moore, since they added Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and not to mention they also picked up Justin Ross as a UDFA, there's just a lot more competition. Nicole Hardman is still there. Yeah. Like, I don't think that Sky Moore is currently better than Juju. I don't think that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is currently better than Juju, and I don't think McCole Hardman is currently better than Juju. I kind of think McCole Hardman But sucks. they're all even. But they're all there, you know? And they're all going to steal work to where... 
Juju might give you potentially good weeks. I think there will be scoring opportunities in this offense, but I'm not like ecstatic about the fact that he's in the Chiefs offense just because they added so many more pass catching options. The only ones I want, like obviously you want Kelsey, and then I would take Sky more late purely on potential. But yeah. other than that, I really don't want anything to do with many of these Chiefs wide receivers, which feels weird because they have a top two quarterback in football in Patrick Mahomes, arguably number one, but I just don't know. They're all new, and they've never played together, so I don't know who I can trust. Yep. Next guy for us is Darnell Mooney. Again, pretty large difference here. I'm higher on him than Ben is. And this is another one I think... I think I'm a little too low on him. Yeah. Darnell Mooney for you is the wide receiver 35. I've got him at 21. And I've literally got him at 21 because of volume, and that's it. Like, I don't even think he's going to be amazing, but I think it is he's going to get so many targets that he's not going to be able to stink pretty much. Yeah, and I I haven't really adjusted um, this a ton since the draft. Like, I put in the rookies real quick, kind of... First first glance after their landing spots, here's how I got them shaken out. But I haven't, like I said, I haven't fine-tuned it. So I think Mooney should be higher. Yep. But I just, that Bears offense is going to suck, dude. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be terrible. And I, I want to like Justin Fields. I was, if the Falcons hadn't taken Kyle Pitts, I wanted him to take Justin Fields. I think he's he's good, but the Bears are just going to kill him, dude. Yeah. He's not going to he's going to have nothing to work with and they're going to waste him. I think that this is another like it's kind of how the Falcons offense or not the Falcons, the Ravens offense is where there's just two targets and the passing pie just is focused to two players. I think it is Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney and that's it. Um I don't think Valus Jones is anything to write home about. I don't think that <laughs> I am Byron not worried Pringle, about Valus Jones. No, I don't think Byron Pringle is anything. I think Daz Newsom is more nothing than he is something. They just don't Byron have... Pringle got arrested, didn't he? He did. He got a DUI. So, like, he probably is going to miss a few games for suspension. So, I don't know. It's The Bears' offense is bad. Their offensive line is bad. I've got David Montgomery as their third option in terms of total volume, and that should tell you Oof. that their offense sucks. Oof. Like Oof. there's just there's not, there's not many places to throw the ball. They're gonna be terrible. Um, but Darnell Mooney is gonna be the beneficiary of insane volume because he's pretty much the only guy worth throwing the ball to that's a wide receiver. I agree with that, which is why like I, I think he should be higher. I wouldn't go tw- wide receiver twenty one again. Okay, we we're gonna have to have a talk after the show. You've got. <laughs> Him ahead of Michael Pittman. What are you doing? Because. What are you on? No, there. no, no, no. There's no because. <laughs> you mean to tell me in a horrible offense that Justin Fields, number one, is better than Matt Ryan's? You, Apparently sir, so. are insane. I've got him at 94 catches, 1,200 yards, five touchdowns. No. I cannot yes. I cannot stand by this. <laughs> I think I mean he's you plug in the numbers, he comes out wide receiver twenty one. 
I think he just gets absurd volume. You and your stupid numbers. Numbers tell all. Next up for us, Cam Akers. Divisive as ever. Everybody's been losing their minds about Cam Akers for years. We don't know what to do with him. For for a plethora of reasons. Yeah, I'm in on him. I think he's the RB11. Ben, you've got him at RB22. You're very cautious with Akers, and and I don't blame you. I'm terrified having him at RB11. That is risking everything. If I'm going into my draft, like I... And I'm with you. I think Akers has that just incredible ceiling that you want, but I'm not taking him as the RB11. He scares me too much. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I would either. In drafts, like he certainly has that potential. Like that is an outcome that is very possible. But he is the kind of player that there's more risk attached to that ADP than probably I want. I'm a risk-averse drafter. Like, I want guys that I think are going to be really safe, that are not going to kill me. I'll take flyers here and there, but I want a baseline of known production. And Cam Akers, he's coming off that scary injury, but he does get a full offseason to rehab, to get stronger. He's in an elite offense with gobs of scoring opportunities. And Darrell Henderson last year in that offense was great. He was a... RB1 until he got hurt. It's yeah. just it's just scary. And that's basically what it comes down to for me. It, it worries me. Darnell Henderson is still there. So when two of them are healthy, I think Cam Akers is the RB1. I'm not saying that. But it's Darnell Henderson will get work. He earned it um, last season because he was very good. Um, it's obviously, like you said, it's a great offense. But it's... It's, it scares me. There's guys on here that I think are just, they're safer. Yeah. If you've got him at 11, which is an RB1, if Cam Akers is my RB1, I don't feel good. Right. Like, I better have a loaded wide receiver core if Cam Akers is my, wide, if my, is my RB1. I would agree with you. I don't, I don't know if I trust him as my RB2. I've got him at 22. Like, if he falls there... Hopefully, like I've already grabbed a Najee Harris and I don't know, maybe a, a a Josh Jacobs or somebody like that is my two, and I'm taking a shot with Cam Akers as my RB3. Yeah. Because my RB3, you've got, I mean, I, and he has RB1 upside, so you got a guy where if you get him as your three and he pops like we think he does, you probably just won your league. Pretty much. But yeah, I mean, it scares me to take him any higher than that. Yep. Next guy on here, DeAndre Swift. This one. My boy. This one, we both love him. Preface that. Love Before Swift. you think I don't love Swift based on my ranking of him, I love DeAndre Swift. But I do have him at RB15. For 2022, you've got him at RB10, so you're not you're not insane in your love for DeAndre Swift. I think I'm just a little bit more cautious. I'm very logical, okay? Very logical. I do think that the added pass catchers in this offense scares me off of Swift just a little bit. I do think he's got the overall RB1 like potential. Like that's that's something that could happen. And maybe, maybe I'm I ranking could see him. him. More I'm not. I'm not saying he will. I could see him being top five. 
Yeah, I could see it. Like, he was top five last year before he got hurt. Problem is, he's got Jamal Williams in there that will steal some work. And they added they added two wide receivers. And TJ Hawkinson is not going anywhere. He's going to get his usual targets. Amon Rice St. Brown stepped forward. You know, DeAndre Swift and Amon Rice St. Brown never played when St. Brown was, like, killing it. Like, whenever DeAndre Swift was on the field, St. Brown stunk. So they've essentially added three wide receivers. And I do think that that lowers Swift's target volume, and I don't think that they'll run the ball with him enough to, like, overcompensate for that. I do think Jamal Williams eats into his rushing just enough. Like, not enough to where it eats it a ton, but just enough to where he's not, like, the top of the league kind of thing. I think that's where you and I kind of come apart is I get they added more stuff, but the stuff that they added, I think, if anything, just opens things up for DeAndre Swift. St. Brown probably takes a few targets away from Swift than he did last year because he earned them, but at the same time, Swift is still probably going to see top five receiving work as far as running backs go all around. He's going to be top five in targets for running backs. And the offensive line is pretty good. I think the offense as a whole is not, like we said, it's not going to be a great offense, but I think it will take a step forward. It will be better than it was last year, which means he's going to have more scoring opportunities behind an offensive line that is not bad, and he's still going to have an elite receiving workload. I am happy if DeAndre Swift is my RB2. I'm very happy if that happens. Yeah, he's a he's a wonderful RB two because he's at an RB two. Like I feel like the way I would structure a team is I would want my RB one to be safe to give me week in and week out production. My RB two is the guy that is still safe but has the potential to finish as the overall RB one. That's kind of the way I would structure it, and I think Swift does that. I think he's safe too, honestly, just with his receiving work. Yep, he's that. He is the poster boy for that new age running back. That's kind of what the league is transitioning to. The Alvin Kamara, the Austin Eckler of just, they catch a lot of passes. They don't see 25 carries a game, but between their receiving workload and the efficiency that they, that their offense gives them, they're just, that's, that's how they're good. And we saw Austin yeah. Eckler be a top three back doing that. Swift was a top three back before he got hurt. So if he stays healthy, obviously injuries are a concern with him, but you can't draft just because you're worried about a guy who was a little bit dinged up last year having that again. And it's not like he had serious injuries kind of thing. Right, right. It was like nagging stuff. Our next guy that we're going to dive into here, we're, we're pivoting. We're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to go straight to Pat Fryermuth. At tight end. Um, I am, for the first time all episode, we've got a guy that Ben is really in on that I am not. I am very much not on the Muth train. I've got him at tight end 19. You've got him as a tight end 1 at tight end 10. Here's the thing with the Muth. He is a low-volume, touchdown-dependent tight end, and they added pass catchers. I can't see him. I can't see him being great. I mean, well, let's say this. 
once you go past like the top six or seven tight ends, it's kind of slim pickings. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the guy who was great his rookie year. No, he's not going to have high volume, but really tight ends at the point where you're drafting him, they don't have high volume anyway. Right. So he scored, I think he scored eight touchdowns his rookie season. That's coming. They in. added George Pickens, but I mean, yeah, whatever. I think the offense as a whole, I, I don't I don't think it really takes a step back. I don't think it takes a huge step forward with Kenny Pickett either. I think it's kind of the same as it was last year. Okay, not great, but the team likes him. He's a three-down tight end. You know, I'm taking a shot on him, with that late tight end. So, you missed out on the top, guys. Yeah, I'll take Frymuth. I don't, I don't hate Pat Frymuth, but I think he regresses. Let's put it this way. He scored 121 half PPR fantasy points last year. I've projected him for 10 points less. So, like, not a bunch. Um, and just, I still think he's league average for t- uh, touchdown production, but I don't think that he takes the step forward in terms of yardage. Um, he did not get to 500 yards last year, and I've basically got him at about the same yardage as he had last year with a little bit of touchdown reduction, and that's it. Like, I don't think that he's going to take the step forward into being a better player just because they added George Pickens. They have Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett as their quarterbacks. I don't think that they'll just focus on one or two guys the way that Big Ben did last year with Deontay Johnson and Fryermuth and Najee Harris as well. Like, I think they spread the ball around a little bit more. I think he's just a low-volume, touchdown-dependent guy, and I just I am not convinced yet that that offense is in a place where he can produce as a tight end one, produce to his potential. I, I don't love his quarterback. I don't love the fact that they've got three really good receivers. I don't love the fact that Najee Harris is a pass-catching running back. Like I feel like Fryermuth is just the odd man out. Okay, put it this way. Who do you have ahead of Fryermuth from between 10 and 19? Who do you have ahead of him? Oh, God. Uh, Noah Fant is in there. David Njoku is in there. Um, I do think Gerald Everett is in there. Dawson Knox, Cole Komet, Albert O, Dallas Goddard. I think those are guys that have are either... They, are, no, what I'm asking is, are they in between 10 and 19 for you? Yeah. Heck, I'm going to look at your top 10. <laughs> anyway, um, well... If you've got, I take some of those guys over Fryermuth that you mentioned there, but I've got some of those guys that you mentioned there in my top ten. So, yeah, that's a different conversation. As far as the way I see guys, I think Fryermuth. Once you get to that point, it's kind of slim picking. So I'm gonna take the guy I think he has relatively decent upside in that offense. So. I know he's not high volume, but no tight ends at that point are high volume, really. So yeah. giving a guy, I think it's a shot. He's he's he he did this as a rookie, so he's only going to get better as they go on. Tight ends usually take a while to progress, anyway. So yeah, give me the guy who's got potential. He definitely does. 
And I think this is a player I'm willing to be wrong about. I just can't see the path forward for him to produce in a crowded passing pie, essentially. Who's next? We're going to uh, wrap things up here with an agreement because we like each other. We do. We both we've we've got this guy at the exact same spot. We're in perfect harmony, lockstep, and agreement. We both think that Brandon Ayuk sucks. He's the wide receiver fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, you're not gonna find much Brandon Ayuk love on this channel. You will not. I, I mean, why would you rank him any higher than this? I can't see. He sucks. If okay, if Debo Samuel were to get traded, this would all change. But Debo oh, yes. Samuel's I don't there. Think Debo's going anywhere. I, I don't think so either. About a, about three, two, three weeks ago, I was considering, I was like, you know what? It really looks like Debo's going to leave, and Brandon Ayuk could be a late wide receiver two with potential upside. But that hasn't happened. And unless Debo leaves, I don't think Brandon Ayuk will take the step forward. He's going to have a potential weeks where he's better. But I also think that Debo's not going to be a running back like he was last year. Like, I think that they're going to let him play more as a wide receiver. And if that's the case, Ayuk is tanked. And if they start Trey Lance, he's going to get a downgrade at quarterback. Right. So he'll be the third target in a small pie offense. I'd never want pieces of an offense that don't throw the ball a ton when you're the third wide receiver in that offense. Like, that's just not a recipe for success. He's on the Devin Duvernay. He's level. better than Devin Duvernay. But Devin Duvernay Devin. sucks. It's Devin Duvernay is probably Brandon like my wide receiver 80. Brandon Ayuk is not a bad football player. No, he's a decent player. But he is terrible for fantasy. <laughs> because Here's why he's terrible. Because you think he's going to be good and he's not. He flashed that rookie season. Everybody bought in. Including yep. yourself. I, I definitely did. I really thought he was going to be legit, and he wasn't. I'm sorry, Brandon Ayuk. You deserve better. He does. He deserves an elite passer, but uh, he's not going to get it anytime soon. So No. Even with I Jimmy, what, he's not going to be that good. No. I guess what we've learned is uh, I need to adjust my view of Michael Pittman. Yes, you do. Thank you. <laughs> if we have learned uh, anything from this episode, please what, do not listen to Josh on Michael Pittman. You will find yourself losing your league. <laughs> uh, I, I'll go back to the drawing board on him. Pity, P- Pittman is, I think Pity he's deceptive. City. He's deceptive. I think he will lure you in and disappoint you. And I think you will be able to get him at a pretty good value. See, you potentially might be able to. If you come to me, I might sell him to you for less than he's worth. Um, that'll do it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a review, uh, leave a rating for us wherever you can do that. And even more importantly than that, if you enjoy the show, enjoy what we're doing here, consider supporting us on Patreon. There's a whole bunch of fun tiers over there. Or if you just like what we do for the cup of co- price of a cup of coffee a month, you can toss us a couple dollars a month and support the show, or you can uh, hop in on some of those tiers and get a look at some of our 
full rankings and see where we've got every player that is worth something in fantasy. Um, you can though we've shown talk. Josh's rankings might be free. <laughs> nope, they're behind I would a paywall. Not pay for those. <laughs> uh, but if you enjoy what we're doing here, consider supporting us on Patreon. And uh, that'll be it from us. We'll see you next week. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.